content note for today's episode. There are some discussions of bullying and violence. Hey, this is Dr. Joe of the Future. I made a mistake here, and I'm really sorry to Travis. My full apologies. I have known Travis, I think, as she in most of the conversations that I've had in smoking areas and things like that. And on double checking, I realised that their pronoun is they. I have made a mistake throughout the rest of this whole conversation about the lovely Travis. So my apologies for getting your pronoun wrong. And when you hear me say she, you should be hearing me say they. Thank you. This is Dr. J from the future. Hello and welcome once again to It Is Complicated, the podcast where we answer every single question with It Is Complicated, including the title of the podcast, which is It Is Complicated. Hello, Dr. J. Hello, Josephine. How are you this insert time period here? I'm less high on painkillers, which I think is good. Um, (laughs) I have new concrete on my foot. Uh, which is my plaster cast for those of you who aren't aware. Little update. Thank you so much for all your kind words and for your patience this week. <laughs> Jay Jay has been very kind with me because I've been saying, hey, I'll get the episode out. I'll do the edit. And Jay was like, well, when you're not taking painkillers that make you funny. <laughs> and by funny, I mean weird. And by weird, I mean odd. And by odd, I mean not Queer. secretary. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so no, thankfully I'm doing all right. And my leg is on the mend quite literally. So I'm feeling, I guess for once in this lockdown conversation, when you actually ask me how I'm doing, I might genuinely be able to say I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm doing okay as well. I was struggling there for a bit and I did the smart thing of putting my hand up and saying, I think I need some help. And now I've got somebody coming on the team to help me with this. That's going to make my life and my job a whole lot easier. So that's been brilliant. And it's getting lighter. And we had snow the other day, which is pretty because I like it when it snows. So should we introduce ourselves at some point? Yeah, sure. (laughs) 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 Sorry. Yes, please. You're still on on quite a few painkillers, aren't you? I am a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) This might become an interesting episode for more reasons than normal. So I will ask you in my most normal voice for a given value of normal. Who are you? (laughs) Tell me, please. I might have forgotten. (laughs) I'm Dr. J. I use they as a pronoun. I got to give myself the job title, Harbinger of Change. I work at ThoughtWorks and they're the sort of software consultancy that allows you to write your own job title if you would like. I also got to give myself my own gender. So I chose transgressive, non-binary, genderqueer because why be normal when you can be fabulous? I'm also a troublemaker and a hashtag queer nuisance because, well, that's my brand. Josephine, who are you this week? Hi, my name is Josephine Baird. I am a scholar, activist and artist. I used to like to make a spectacle of myself on the stage, but now I tend to make a spectacle of myself by drawing queers and posting pictures that I draw on the internet. I like to think of myself as a queer with a purpose because I have a lovely job teaching game design at the University of Uppsala here in Sweden. Does that right? Did I do it right? Yes, you did it very right. I don't know why I'm looking at the ceiling. I don't know what information's <laughs> up there. 
help me with this. But oh yes, I was asked earlier this week what my hobbies were, and I put my hobbies down as queer activist. But it's the sort of hobby that doesn't keep me out of trouble. That's good. <laughs> so, speaking of keeping ourselves in trouble, um, we have a topic this week. Are we going to actually speak about it? Who can say? We kind of chose this topic from our very long list of topics. And one of the reasons was, I think it's one of those ones that, what are the things that I would have loved to have said when people have said this to me, but I've never felt in the moment that I've had that power to say it. And the statement is, don't be such a victim. Or don't be a victim. We've both heard that, I think, exact phrase be directed at us by people who I think genuinely would consider themselves friends saying it with an intention that they believe is good it took me personally a a while to realize that almost never is that phrase useful and almost always is it extremely problematic on an ethical level on an emotional level and also just generally a shitty thing to say to someone I appreciate that the people who've said it to me meant it in a way that they thought was positive. I don't think they were evil. Having said that, it almost always seemed to have something to do with their own comfort level or with some bizarre belief that simply believing that one should be a certain way will have an impact on life. And that is the kind of phraseology these sort of stock phrases that one hears or sees on facebook if you scroll through it long enough these sort of like they're phrases that sound very plausible sound very positive are supposedly affirming but really are just kind of brutal and i think one of the worst is don't be a victim when someone says that to you, it's almost always because you have, in fact, just been a victim of something. And being a victim is not a nice thing, but at least the acknowledgement of it is an affirmation of something that has happened and that it is real and it has had an impact. By saying, don't be a victim, what they're trying to say is, don't be affected by this, or don't be affected by this in a way that's visible to me, or don't be affected by this in a way that's visible to other people, because that might make you a target again. All those versions I've heard, and all of them are wrong. I totally agree. And I really have a problem with hearing this in a workplace, because it's been often said to me when I've been in the process of being bullied by somebody, or there's been uh, microaggressions or whatever, or just full-on bullying happening and somebody's turned around and said this wouldn't happen if you weren't such a victim or you need to watch how you're doing it because you're coming across as a victim and things like that and what that says to me is you've seen what's going on and you're totally comfortable with it you don't wish to change anything about the situation on this team you want me as the person at the bottom of the pile to change something about myself to make the person who is bullying me not do so. And there is nothing that I can do in that situation. One of the things that really winds me up about this is when somebody says it to you, they're saying that they saw what's happened. They've seen the behavior that's been wrong. 
they've seen the inappropriate statements, they've seen all of that stuff, and they still consider it absolutely fine for it to happen to you, and it's your fault. It's not anything that the team has done. It's not the dynamic that the company has set up. It's got nothing to do with any of that. You have presented yourself as a victim, and therefore it is totally okay for somebody to come in and treat you that way. Now, that's generally not what they meant, but that's the undercurrent of what they've said. That's what that statement says back to me. It's victim blaming is what it is in simple parlance. And they don't see it that way because what they think they're saying is I'm going to try and protect you from this culture that I know is there and I'm not going to actually do anything about. There's an expression that I really liked hearing recently. If you are aware of uh, especially internet culture, uh, then you have my apologies and my condolences. But you might have heard the expression social justice warrior used as a pejorative, some genius online will take your statement that hey maybe things shouldn't be this way because it's kind of mean and people are treated badly and they'll say oh you're such a social justice warrior as some sort of implication that that's a bad thing i don't really know how but then i'm neuronormative so it might be a thing i i'm lying it isn't it's because they're stupid but the opposite of that which i really like because i heard this quite recently was a um, status quo warrior is you're such a status quo warrior. And I love that idea because it's like, that's what they're saying. Mm. They're saying to you, we know you've been victimized. We saw it happen. We know why it happened. We know what cultural elements are at play here. So much so that we can pinpoint the behavior that we think has coded you as a victim to this person so that they felt like they can behave that way. And our response is to keep the status quo. And we're going to do it to such an extent that I would say you're fighting for it. Mm. And thus you are a status quo warrior. And I just love that expression. Travis Alabanza, who we will eventually manage to organize to come on when we've got a bit more money in our Patreon, sponsor our Patreon, patreon.com slash it is complicated, or one word. How was that for a segue? Nice. Thank you. Travis Alabanza breaks us down in burgers in a theatre in the most amazing way. And when she does it, I've seen it twice. And every time I am blown away by the way that she controls an audience. So she works people through this whole victim blaming thing. She takes people through that whole situation. She takes people through her life. And then not to give something away, but in the process, she brings somebody onto the stage she gets them to make a burger and then she gets them to recreate the violence that came against her from a stranger on the street by asking them to throw the burger at her. And it's interesting watching the different reactions of people to that because it brings that status quo to the forefront. It brings that victim blaming right to the forefront in people's minds and everyone's watched this happen on stage and it just makes people turn around and go, oh my God, the victim has become this genuine person. This victim has become fully rounded. Everyone can see what's going on and suddenly the person on stage is being asked to do something and to keep that status quo and to say throw the burger say that thing and I've never seen anyone yet able to do it 
And it's really wonderful because it's such a thoughtful response to this whole status quo. Because one of the things that I dislike about that situation so much and that status quo-ness is not just that I'm coded as a victim that somebody can attack, but the group dynamic is set up in such a way that I'm the one the group has decided shall be attacked by the bully to protect the rest of the group because it's that group's decision as to who is at the bottom of the pile. The bully can decide who's at the bottom of the pile, but it's the group's reaction to it. Some people might not react to that first moment, to that first little slur or slip of the tongue, but it's how they react to the second one. What happens in that second thought? It's what happens in that action that really makes a difference. And people are naturally frightened of bullies, but it's by saying, don't be a victim to me, they're saying you're coded as the bottom of the pile, your coded is the one that the bully is going to hit. And I can see that and I can tell you not to be a victim, but I'm terrified of being the victim myself. So I'm going to tell you not to be only in a way that says, I can see what's going on. You're being bullied, but I'm so terrified of the bully myself. And I'm so terrified of breaking the status quo of this group that I'm going to offer you a platitude and not any any actual help or any sucker or anything like that. And I can't believe I used the word sucker in the right context. And I think my favorite pedant will laugh at my attempt to use the word. What is so tragic about this is that it is so easily... There are things in social sciences and humanities and, and all these kinds of wonderful things that I like to study that are terribly complicated and very hard to study. It's very hard to see them. The thing about this is it's not. It's incredibly easy. There are some studies that are particularly profound and depressing at the same time, one of which is a study that's done quite regularly. In fact, is used in certain education models problematically. But there is a study that shows that people are very, very good at picking out who will be the victim of bullying. It's done basically by showing a series of photographs to a person and saying to them, which one of these people are likely to be singled out as a victim or targeted for bullying? And to an astonishing or not astonishing degree, as I'm sure Jay will say, the results are almost always that the person is very easily picked out. And then it's revealed to the people who are doing the test that, yes, that is a person who's been bullied because they can see the codes on the person. They can tell what it looks like in this culture for someone to be othered, to be ostracized, to be victimized. They can see it. That means that those codes actually do exist. So it does mean, really tragically, and I can speak from personal experience here, that looking like a victim will have an impact on how you will be victimized. That is a truth in this culture that is extremely depressing. Now, surviving that may require us on occasion to work with those codes, to be aware of those codes, to navigate them as much as we wish we wouldn't have to. Now, there are really good responses to that that I want to go into as well. But the point isn't actually the political work that we could be doing to affect real actual social change. What I'm trying to say is that there are these codes, there are signals. I've spoken about it on the previous podcast that there's research on scripts 
that happen in violence, that violence itself somewhat socially scripted, that people not only know who's going to be the target, they know how those kinds of altercations will begin, end, and start again, depending on the circumstances. There are social back and forth scripts that people know off by heart. Once you know what they are, you can recognize them and you can navigate them, but we should never have to. And one of the things that I find most disturbing is, as Jay says, being told by someone, I see it too. I know all the codes. My response isn't to say to you, I know what these codes are. I know how much it sucks. I'd like to talk to you and see how you're doing and see what we can maybe do together. I know we might not be able to change the system, but maybe we can do something for you right now. That would be one thing. Of course, the idea would be, let's go and change the system together. Or if I have more privilege than you in this situation right now, maybe I can make a difference. But no, they're not saying it to you. What they're saying to you is, I see all this. I know it all because I'm socially aware enough to know what's caused this. And now I'm telling you to change because it's making me uncomfortable. Because that's what it is. Maybe it's out of some genuine wish for you not to be victimized. But if that were the case, wouldn't you do something about it? No, that, that means, as you rightly say, that makes you a target. Because you're right. One of the things that will make you a target is by making yourself visible and visible another. Going against the status quo tends to do that. Makes you a target. Scary. I get it. There are strategies to this. There are times when we have more impact and times when we have significantly less. But yeah, this phrase that particular thing. And there's a few more like it. When Jay has mentioned this to me, I always think of a few others like, no one will love you until you love yourself. It's not quite the same thing, but it's along the same lines. Because first off, I love lots of people who don't love themselves. I've been loved by people when I have significantly not loved myself. The thing that that phrase does says, you're the problem. You're the problem for what's very likely to have been a cultural impact on you. And I'm not going to talk about that cultural impact. I'm not going to say, isn't it shitty that we live in a world that makes us hate ourselves all the time? And I really understand that you do that. I really get it because I've done the same thing. And let's, let's talk about that and see if we can find some way around it for both of us. No, we don't say that. No, we're going to have a platitude. A platitude that actually just makes you feel shit. Because the thing is, if someone does not love themselves, and then they're told that, oh, goody, I've got another thing to be upset about myself. <laughs> I can now say, oh, great, as my psychologist used to say. What's worse than feeling bad? Feeling bad for feeling bad. Mm -hmm. We are evolved social animals. And there's actually a feeling in your gut that you get not when somebody's super bullied because that's kind of blatant and obvious, but when somebody is having those little microaggressions set against them. It's how I know the difference between somebody mispronouncing me by accident and somebody doing it to really drive a point home. And it's all in the tone of the voice. It's in the tone of the body. It's in the way the other words go around it. It's in the look on their face. There's so many small things. And you feel it in your gut, just right at the top of your gut, right in your diaphragm. There's a little sense there. And when something's not quite right, it hits that spot. And we can spot it in a group. We can spot when somebody does that. And the moment you spot that, I try and explain to people that if you feel that when somebody's talking to me, listen to it and go, hey, there's something not 100% right there. What's going on? 
what is going on in this interaction that if I'm feeling uncomfortable, Jay must be feeling uncomfortable. If I'm feeling uncomfortable, this must not be a good interaction. So how can I disrupt it? How can I break it down? Do I offer some support to Jay? Do we talk about it afterwards? What do we do? And one of the things that I try and talk to my teams about is when you feel that, it's about the responsibility for us as a team to address and understand it and work towards finding a way to diffuse it. Is it somebody who just is having a bad day and is letting off steam or doing something and they've chosen me because I'm the most other in the room? Or is it somebody who has done this and this is a habit that they've built up over a while, but it's one of their stress reactions? They're having a bad day or they're having a bad time because people don't bully for no reason. So they bully because they're having a bad time and it's about sitting down with them and going, hey, your behavior, it's not that good. What's going on with you? Not telling somebody you're wrong, saying what's going on with you? What's going on to make you behave like this? Now, this is something that I can't do as the victim, as the bottom of the pile. This is something that the other people in the group can do. Now, this could also be Josephine's looking at me going, oh my God, that's taking kindness way too far. But (laughs) I kind of do. I think it's really important to understand why somebody wants to kick down why somebody wants to look at somebody and say you look other enough that I'm going to push against you because it's a sign that there's something very not going well with them yes and is it up to me to go and fix it if they're bullying me no is it up to other people in the group to fix it yeah I say that it is yeah but the problem is And this is a conversation I've been having with my friend and colleague, Sabina Hara, about if there's a problematic thing happening, is it the responsibility of the person who it's happening to to change that thing? No, as Jay rightly said, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. (laughs) But are the other people going to interject? As we've been saying, unlikely, sadly. So the impetus to change those things may have to come from the person it's happening too but doesn't that put tremendous pressure on that person to change the thing that they're being subject to by enlisting the help of those who might actually not necessarily intentionally are also reproducing the the yeah sorry this is a bunch of ideas that i don't have i i I need to think about this carefully I do understand, though, and the approach that I've taken is almost a systemic approach of listen to your gut. Your gut will tell you when there's a microaggression in the room, and when you spot it, sit down as a team and figure out how you're going to tackle it. Is it going to be somebody trawling somebody off to HR? Is it going to be taking somebody aside for a side conversation? Who should do that? And I talk about how that's taking the pressure away from the person at the bottom of the pile. But one of the other things is, taking the person at the bottom of the pile aside and saying, I see what's going on because it might be the first time since forever that somebody turns around to you and says, I see that you're being bullied. I see that somebody is not treating you with the respect, the kindness, the whatever that you should have on this team. And we just want to let you know that it's seen and we want to resolve it, but not by saying, don't be a victim, by saying, let us change the team. Now, that's a huge systemic approach that 
I've been pushing and pushing and people are taking up and people are working with it and changing how they deal with this type of problem within teams. And it's not the easy solution because the easy solution is just to ignore it because not, it's not happening to you. The easy solution is to say to someone, don't be a victim. I think what you've offered is a very, very useful approach and a very honest approach, which is that it is a systemic problem requiring a systemic solution requires a group effort and it needs to be done before the thing happens that needs to be addressed so that people know what to do when it happens. Now, I've been having a long conversation with my friend Sabina about these kinds of situations where someone might have these things happen to them and what level of responsibility is it on the individual to do that? Now, sometimes these group efforts that we would like to have happen can't happen for whatever reason. But simply, as Jay said, going up to someone and saying, hey, let's talk about and recognize the thing that happened is such a huge aspect to being recognized, to being seen, to being understood, to also just be aware that there is a problem and then you're not the only one experiencing it. And you're not the only one who's experienced it. You are, in fact, in a community who can recognize that. Now, you may not be able to answer it straight away. You may not be able to deal with it at all. You might be in one of those horrible situations where something's happened to you and to bring it up or to highlight it or to respond to it would actually make your situation worse. So your response may become, I can't actually tackle this head on the way I would love to, the way that we, Jay and I talk about this, the way we wish we could tackle everything, that the strategic thing to do is to say, oh, this sucks, but I have to let it go for my betterment. Talking to someone who recognizes that, or even talking to someone who recognizes like, oh crap, this happened, I got misgendered, or this happened, or someone was being really rude, or someone's this, and I need to bring it up. This is going to be hard having someone sit with you and go, yeah, it's going to be hard, and you shouldn't have to do it. That's mm -hmm. enough to give you the ability, the confidence to then do it. Having someone shut you down by saying, don't be a victim, it also says, don't address this in any way. Do not fight back. Do not respond. Hide every aspect of yourself that is somehow eliciting this behavior, even though we know it's not your fault. We're going to put all the responsibility onto you and we're not even going to allow you to talk about it because that is part of making yourself, quote, the victim. Mm. And sometimes these things are so complicated, so difficult, and we have to make these calculations in such a way that we can't respond to it in the way we want. But just being told that that is something that people are aware of and that they would like to work on a systemic level. I don't know. It just makes it easier. Yeah. Jay, I appreciate this. I had that particular expression said to me after a physically violent attack. It was attacked in London. And it was harrowing and it was terrifying. It was part of a... <laughs> it, it was not even an isolated incident in the sense that I was walking home and just got attacked. I mean, I had been followed and, and all sorts of things because I had been very visibly queer in an environment that was not very friendly. And eventually, of course, it escalated. And someone I knew, when I told them what had happened, said to me, don't be a victim. And it was one of the most harrowing parts of it. The Being attacked in the street was bad. It sucked. It was awful. It scared me. I had to move apartment. I literally had to move across the city because of it. And their response was that, 
And I will never forget that because honestly, I think it was the worst part of it. And it was a person who knew very well what had happened and why and was different in many ways themselves and kind of ruined our friendship in many ways. And I, I've held that for a long time. And when I see it happen now, I'm particularly allergic to it because I know that there are so many times in our queer little lives that there are calculations we must make when these things happen. We can't always fight directly. In fact, sadly, almost never can we make that wonderful witty retort that may mm-hmm. devastate the bully or the attacker to the point where they go, oh gosh, I shall go readjust my entire livelihood because of your fabulous wordism that you just flung back at me. You know, those wonderful moments we imagine in our minds, or maybe it's just me, I don't I would love that to be true, but most of the time we're having to make these strategic decisions when we can address these things, and often it's not. You can't. As I've had experiences where I've gone into environments where I've gone, someone has tremendous responsibility over me or legal right over me, or I am dependent on them doing well with me. Say, oh, I don't know, when I broke my leg, I need to go into a hospital. I need for people to be kind to me if they start pissing about it's not always going to be possible for me to say, hey, don't behave that way when they've got my literal broken leg in their hands. It's, mm-hmm. it's not safe. And it can be really depressing and really disheartening. Having someone say, I recognize the systemic problem that has led to you experiencing this is enough. What is not enough, what is not okay is saying, You've been victimized. I know why you have stopped being a victim Hmm. because it says you're the problem. It's who you are. That's the problem. Hide that. And essentially we can sum it up. And if you ever feel like you're seeing somebody being bullied and you want to turn around and say, don't be such a victim, don't do that. As the person who sees it, it can be very traumatizing to see it, of course. And that's a different perspective we haven't really Hmm. talked about. Having seen it happen, I sometimes don't know what to do either. In fact, I never really do know what to do. It's a question of finding the solution together, right? Which is what you've been saying. It is a question of just saying to the person who's experiencing it, I think I see what's happening. Can you tell me if that is how you're experiencing it too? And what can we do about it collectively? And if nothing, can I just say that I'm there with you and you're not by yourself? And that's where I'm at at the moment with this. And I think it's a relatively simple rule that we can sort of stick to generally, <laughs> but at the same time, it's not always going to be the case either. It, it's complicated. It's scary and stressful. So if you're worrying about what to do in these circumstances, I'm with you. And I think it's about rebuilding that script because the script that says, don't be a victim and the script that says, I see what's happening to you. Let's sit down and talk about it are two completely different ways of looking at it. And it's just about changing the script. When you feel that happen, use the new script. Try it out. You might find you like it. It's like a new pair of pants. It's like a new (laughs) pair of pants. You put them on and you're like, "Mm, I'm not sure. And then after about an hour, you're like, oh, these are quite good. That's a very specific analogy. And I'm presuming (laughs) that's based on recent real life experience. Is that that correct, Jake? I got a new pair of trousers I in the mail. 
<laughs> oh, oh, trousers. Okay. See, now there's an Englishism. I, I, you said pants. I presumed you meant underwear, but you meant. Oh no, yeah. I also have have new underwear, just not on. Okay, now this is another conversation. I think we need to have, Jay. <laughs> I do have underwear on. I just do not have new underwear on, but I have new pa- I have new trousers on, which are also called pants. Okay, I'm glad we clarified that. <laughs> it wasn't as exciting a conversation as I was hoping for, but it was at least scrupulously accurate. <laughs> well, I think we had a really good talk, Jay. I thank you for that. That's difficult. But I really appreciate having that conversation because the conversation itself is part of the solution. And as such, it's always a pleasure to talk to you on our little podcast. And if it's okay, I might wrap up a little. It's my questionable pleasure. <laughs> it's, this is getting ridiculous. Jay, I was recording, I was editing the, the last episode very recently. And I was just hearing myself laugh in incredulity along with sort of (laughs) manic sort of the opposite of mirth I don't know what the word that would be uh, whenever I approach this question I'm about to ask you and we agreed in the last episode we still need to do it so I shall ask you Jay what should we talk about next week should it be a British author um, well, there is a consultation on whether or not disabled oh, yes. toilets and changing places should be gender neutral. Um, so, of course, I'm expecting and anticipating her very nuanced and direct wail into this because, oh, fuck off. No, of course, we're not going to discuss her. Mm-hmm. Have you noticed our response to that question has altered somewhat over the months, Jane? It used to be, I'd rather not, in a very nice, polite way, didn't it? And now it it's was. like, oh, just fuck off. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> it's a pleasure doing this with you all every week. <laughs> See you next week.